0: A practical prayer is a prayer that works.
1: These discussions between Rev. Bill Marcioni and Carol Lawrence dive into the details of how it works and how to work it.
0: Rev. Bill is a New Thought Minister and the author of Practical Prayer for Real Results.
1: Your new life begins with a new thought. Carol Lawrence is on a spiritual quest, finding the New Thought teaching after decades on the pulpit in three different traditional denominations.
0: I've got some questions. Together, they're exploring the philosophy and activities that come together from many of the world's religions to create the practical spirituality that is new thought.
2: Welcome to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni.
3: And this episode is recorded live, so we have a live studio audience with us today as well. Do we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is completely invisible to the podcast audience, because the live recording by the time this is in the podcast will be several weeks ago.
2: Okay, so if we have a live, what does that mean with the chat? Can somebody put something in the chat? How's that work?
3: Somebody could put something in the chat, in which case we have the opportunity to respond to it.
2: Oh, that's pretty cool. Okay.
3: And people can respond to the podcast in any case. Go to bethelight.com, b-the-light.com, and send a message to us, request a practical prayer, and we're likely to do it in the podcast, or at least address the issue in the podcast. It's something that we don't think we can pray for. That's fun. <laughs> like there's something Yeah, I was going to say, it's like something
2: for. you can't pray for, but that's fun. Okay.
3: Yeah. So you wanted to talk about destiny.
2: Yes. There's a popular scripture that is you know the one that always gets thrown out there it's jeremiah 29 11 and i'm going to just quote it from memory i should have gotten it but i didn't okay here it goes i know the thoughts that i have of you saith the lord thoughts of good not of evil to bring you to an expected end now that's out of the king james version that's because i'm old right when i started Everybody just used King James, and I memorized the whole thing through King James. But, the, <laughs> <laughs> but there are better versions, you know, the common well, English Well, they're versions. different versions. Yeah, they're, they're better. So I would encourage...
3: They're less flowery, though. The King James version is, has, has a lot of... It's very artistic prose. Yes, I call it poetry, and that's nice.
2: But, you know, when you want to dig in and get an understanding, like I think the common English Bible is pretty good. So but it says essentially the same thing. The idea is that God has a plan for your life and it's a good plan, blah, blah, blah. And then when you like leap over to the New Testament, there's this pretty strong teaching of predestination, particularly in the Pauline writings. So I wanted to throw that out there because... In some ways, it's comforting to think that God has a plan and it's a good plan, but the other side of that is if God has a plan and you go off, <laughs> off course from the plan, well, there's some things that are supposed to happen to you, you know, or that hap- there are some explanations as to what happens to you when you go off course. So, you know, I don't like the iffiness of it, and so I know what I think. <laughs>
3: You want to do what you think first before I weigh in?
2: Okay. Yeah,
3: you tell me what you think. Okay.
2: So I think that the word plan is a little strong. I'm not sure that it's the best word to use. I think the word intention might be better. I think God has the best of intention. And maybe that's not even the best word. It's like the best for us, whatever word you want to put in there. I don't think that we can mess up if you want to say that God has a plan. So I think it's like, it's all good. And within the good, we have options in terms of the way you know we want. I love the word co-create, it just works. So within the economy of God, the universality of God or whatever you wanna call it, you could do it, you know? So God's plan is good and it's not so narrow that if you go off course, you're gonna to go to some hot place, you know, or suffer some disease right
3: okay there's actually to me a couple of different ways that we can look at this and the first one let's dial in on the god part of this this is the infinite creative power that has created everything that has ever existed and it includes me and you and everybody who's listening to this so there's a pretty good power this is a pretty potent force it's created galaxies each of them with multiple billions of solar systems Stars. Okay, now we have one star near us. It's the sun. That's where all of our energy comes from. So it's big. God is big. God is really, really big. You know, seven or eight billion people on the planet right now, and all the other diversity. And it's just on this planet here. So God is really, really big, and capable of dealing with a lot of complexity and nuance. So if God actually had a plan and specifically wanted something to happen in Carol's life, do you think God would have to? rely on Carol (laughs) to make that happen. (laughs) Does nature need any assistance to make sure that the sunrise happens on schedule every day? It just happens and we don't have to think about it. So that's the first part is God is really, 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 really big. And in comparison, we are not. So if there's something that's really important, that God's taken care of. God can handle it. God does not need to call you or me or anybody else in to make something happen. The next piece, and I'm going to ask you to to paraphrase or repeat it again, the part out of Jeremiah about good and evil.
2: Thoughts of good and not of evil. So the idea is that God has this big plan and it's a good plan. It's good for you. Or the plan is good. Everything in the plan is good. You know, it's about giving you hope, and yeah, all of
3: that. but the thoughts of good and the thoughts of evil are ours. The thoughts of good and bad are ours. We're the ones who have an evaluation of what we think of as good and what we think of as bad. And we've talked about this before, you know, somebody, you know, with a knife jabbed in their abdomen, good or bad. Well, if they need an appendectomy and the person doing the jabbing is a surgeon, good. <laughs> if they're coming out of the Wawa bad, So it's a matter of context, and it's the same sort of thing happening, but it's whether we call it good or bad. Same thing if we call it good or evil. Evil is when, to my mind, is where we let ourselves be involved in something that's less than what we understand to be good or best or highest. When we allow our own intentions or sights to be dragged down and don't operate at the level of excellence that we're used to. Anyway, that's my take on it.
2: Okay, so then it's usually connected, sermonically, at times, to that I, <laughs> that thing and the idea of predestination that Paul talks about.
3: I love that term, sermonically. By the way, I haven't heard that one before. I love it. <laughs>
2: I told you, sometimes I go back and you know, think about this old subjects. I, I like to hang out in new thought because it's nicer, you know, when you have to go, <laughs> go back and think about old stuff, I have to, it gets all formal. So in that space, you think about predestination. And it's like you don't have any choices in this matter. You've already been predestined to do this or that or be this or that. And so I would always think, well, if that's the case, then why bother thinking or trying, you know, for me, when you think of co-creation, I'm thinking like, I want to be my best self. You know, I want to be the best that I can be in whatever situation that is. But if predestination is going to like trump the whole thing, then why bother just go for the ride and try to stay out of trouble? And I don't think that that... Well,
3: if you're going along for the ride and you're not worried about it, then why stay out of trouble?
2: No, because there are consequences. And I don't forget, that's, you know, we're bringing in this old idea, this traditional idea of predestination. If you get out of line, there's consequences.
3: God wants you to behave in a particular way. And if you don't, then you're going to get punished.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, that's the general idea. And predestination, to me, takes away the hope and you know, me being a part of being my best. Like, you know, I like this word work. And you always say, you mm-hmm. know, I like the work because it's my work. And if it's my work, it's a good work. And if it's especially making me better, it's a really good work, no matter how much you got to work at it or I have to work at it. So, but if you tell me that I'm predestined to this or that, then it's not necessary for me to do anything. Like I have... And by the way, you're not even telling me what it is. You're just saying that, you know, specifically, actually, in that context, it talks about salvation, which we might talk about at some point. <laughs> <laughs> this gets, you know That's
3: what? another word that we can get into. Yeah, you know what? This gets kind of really deep sometimes. I tell you what we're going to do we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and talk about my perception that there is both 100% free will and 100% predestination. And it's a question of resolution and granularity. That'll
0: be good. Yeah. Learn to put practical prayer to work in your life. The steps are simple to learn and let you begin to get real results to create the life of your dreams immediately. Reverend Bill Marchione's widely acclaimed book, Practical Prayer for Real Results, gives you a clear summary of the new thought principles behind practical prayer, and the series of easy to understand steps found in the most effective prayers from religions and spiritual practices all over the world and throughout history. Practical prayer is not a replacement for your religion or practice. It's a technique to make the work you do in consciousness even more effective. The book includes 40 prayers on various topics that you can adapt as needed and use as your own. Practical Prayer for Real Results is available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook on Amazon or at b-the-light.com. That's b-the-light.com.
2: back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni, and we're going to continue our conversation. You used the word granularity and another
3: word. Granularity and resolution. And what I'm going to do is use those two concepts to say that predestination and free will are both fully operative in our lives. It's just at vastly different scales. So the first one is predestination, which is the notion that the creator has decided what our lives are going to be. And free will is that we are deciding what our lives are going to be. And there's one of my favorite passages from the Old Testament is in the 23rd Psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I like that one because it sounds ominous, like it's about death, but it's not. It's the valley of the shadow of death. So it's not even the valley of death. It's the valley of the shadow. So the shadow of death is that looming impending end to our experience here on earth. Yes. And our walk through the valley of the shadow of death is the progress that we make in our lives. And perhaps when we're babies and we start into the valley, we're not particularly aware that there's a death thing somewhere along the lines. But as we stop being teens and young adults, it becomes more and more apparent that eventually that's going to happen until the seasoned wisdom that comes with age tells us, yeah, this is something that's probably going to happen to me, just like it's happened to everybody else who's ever existed. So predestination, when we are born into this life is that we will live it. We are born into a human life on planet earth and our predestination, what the infinite, what God has intended is for us to have the life and to walk through the valley of the shadow of death and we can do whatever we want along the way. We can do things that we consider to be good. We can do things that we consider to be evil. And when we know that it's evil, then it's going to bring more evil upon us. And even if we don't cop to the fact that it's evil, since that's the level of energy that we're working at, that's the sort of thing that's going to be brought into our experience. That's the law of attraction working. So if I think that it's okay to live, I'm not going to use me. I'm going to use a generic third person. If someone believes that it's okay to steal stuff and to take things that don't belong and to abuse other people, then they're living in a world where that stuff is okay. And they will be attracting more and more of that to themselves. So they're not being punished by God for doing those things or believing those things or taking those actions. They are reaping the consequences of their own beliefs. That is the reality that they're creating. And that's free will. We are given this gift. We are expressions of God's divine love taking specific and particular form. I love the word particular because there's particles. Newtonian physics thinks there's particles. So we are the particles forming together that makes that divine essence that's God into me, into you, and into everybody who is listening to this. And we have complete free will as to how we're going to use it. And we can do it well, we can do it poorly. I've done it both. (laughs) Sometimes in the same hour.
2: I think in the traditional setting, free will is mentioned, but that's all it gets. It's just like honorary mention, because then there's too much power in the understanding of the reality of free will. Because as I heard you explain that, you talked about God's plan is that we live, is that we live. And so now here's your life, and you have the free will to figure out how you're going to live it. You can
3: You can do with it what you want. Yeah,
2: and there are principles. I used to, I can't say it the way I used to, because then that's not cool. (laughs) 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 That's not any bad words, right? But I don't want to perpetuate the thought. But there are principles operative in the universe. And, you know, you touch on some of those things and you set off a, you know, a myriad of consequences. So Mm -hmm. I agree with that. But sometimes, and I think free will is a really big thing. I think it's always operative. Always in operation, not sometimes,
3: but all the time. Oh, yeah, it is. And it's limited. Free will has its limitation. I'll give you an example. If you were to flap your arms right now, could you fly? No. You have complete free will. You can do whatever you want, and you're still not going to flap and fly. You want to fly, you're going to have to go down to the airport, just like everybody else.
2: Yeah. But you can't defy the law. You know, certain laws that are in place, right? Like flapping your wings. It goes against the law of gravity, You can't do that. So just moving on what you said, that God gives us a life to live and it's our responsibility to live it. That takes me back to Genesis. When God created us in God's own image, God put everything in place in a very organized way and gave men or the human male and female the responsibility to take care of all of this you know so we got the responsibility i guess we kind of got the marching orders but how we do that is up to us and we can take care of things in a good way or a not so good way you know so that's where our free will comes in and i think that that is consistent with what you were saying about free will God has given it to us and we decide in context, in the context that we
3: set up is good or evil. The consequence effect good or evil accountability all kind of tie together there. Because we reap what we sow, we're able to create our experience and we do that according to our beliefs. And if we get the opportunity to choose what we're believing, well, let's choose well. We don't have to, we just can. And it's not choose well because this is how God says it looks when we choose well, choosing well is subjective because if I have a standard of excellence, I know when I'm hitting it and I know when I'm missing it. So what we're doing is understanding what our desires are and then being in alignment with that and taking those steps ourselves.
2: Okay, I agree with you, but let me raise this question though about good and not mm-hmm. good. I understand that it's subjective, and I'm reflecting on the example that you gave about the knife. It's cool if it is a surgeon's tool in the operating theater, not so cool if it's in the hands of the wrong person when you come out of the mm-hmm. Wawa. Okay, <laughs> I got that. So clearly, good, not good. But then there is, I think, a good. I'm hesitant to say universal good, but there is a good that is divine, I think, or related or reflective of the divine. Otherwise, there would be no negative consequences. There would be no awful thing. Like When I desire something, it's not just for me. It's for the good of everybody else concerned, as far as my perception can take it. As far as I can see, this thing will not just benefit me, but it will benefit others around me, and that probably even goes even further yeah. out. Well,
3: that's generous because you're evolved.
2: But then, on the other hand, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> thank you. That helps. But on the other, and that's a nice compliment. But on the other hand, there are people that desire things and take no thought of the good. Of what it does, or and as a matter of fact, they may even know that it does not benefit other people, but they're concerned about their own benefit. Yeah. In which case, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen, because I mean things happen. But it's not good. Do you know what I mean? It's. I not. know exactly
3: what you mean. You know, a thief or a pickpocket, they know that what they're taking isn't theirs. And if they were to become at all philosophical about it, they would probably notice that there was some work, some attention, some stewardship that was involved in the thing that they are in the process of pinching and being acquired or maintained. And there's an energy that goes along with having something and owning it and carrying it and treasuring it. And they're cutting to the end of the line. They're just saying, give me the thing. I don't want to go through the work of having it or any of the rest of that stuff. I'm just going to take what somebody else's. And there's a level of energy that's involved in that, that puts them into the environment of it's okay for us to be just taking things. And what goes around comes around. It'd be nice if people would get smited immediately when they're doing things like that, but it doesn't work that way. It sometimes takes years and years. It sometimes takes a lifetime. Sometimes it doesn't happen during this lifetime. Those are the really scary ones. I'm not sure what goes on as we, you know, go back around for another pass at this experience of life. And it's really none of my business because I'm mostly involved in life here on earth. But as I have gone through my own emotional and spiritual development, there are things that I used to be able to do that I can't do anymore. There are things that I used to get involved with and engage with that the energy is so low that it actually would hurt me To try doing that stuff again. And I probably could have figured that out back when I was on the radio making fun of people. (laughs) By name. It was very funny. I was excellently good at the work that I was doing. But energetically it wasn't working for me. And eventually I had to stop. I eventually had to stop.
2: So let me ask you a question about that then. Did you think it was good when you were doing it? Did you think it was okay? Or was there any part of you that said this is not cool? This is
3: not good. No, I thought it was okay. I thought it was, and that was just, that was the world that I was in. And I grew to the point where I couldn't do that. And when I started realizing that I couldn't do that anymore, I was terrified that I wasn't going to be funny anymore. So I'm funny different now. (laughs) Let's hope.
2: (laughs) Well, okay. I have a lot of scenarios running through my head. And I'm thinking that sometimes people know that it's not good you know when they're doing it oh
3: yeah you and know. while i was uh, while i was in that it. transition yeah. there was it, i got a glimmer along the way of changing it wasn't just like turning the light switch let's take a break and continue talking about predestiny
1: get inspiration in an instant god calls are the gentle and uplifting moment of truth to help you remember that the bright light of god's love is shining right now as you
0: it's your god call with Rev. Bill.
1: Start your two-week free trial today, and you'll get a phone call four times a week from Rev. Bill with an uplifting half-minute message filled with insight, wisdom, story, and fun.
3: Let your light shine.
1: You can answer the call to listen to it live or let it go to voicemail so you can hear it later. After the free trial, your subscription is just $5.95 a month. The details are at godcall.org. God calls are disruptive, intentionally.
3: Whenever you write something, put on a gold star.
1: They take you away from your routine to remind you about the truth of who you really are. They come at random times between 8.15 a.m. and 6 p.m., so you won't be expecting them. And somehow, the message is exactly what you need to hear at the time.
3: Magic is loose in the world.
1: It's a moment of motivation in the middle of your day. Find out more and start your two-week free trial now
2: Welcome back to the Practical Prayer Podcast. I'm Carol Lawrence, here with Reverend Dr. Bill Marcioni.
3: We've been talking about predestination, among other things. fair amount of scripture in there, too. Let's see.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not throwing any more scripture out there right now.
3: (laughs) You've you've hit your quota for today, have you?
2: Well, I don't know. Those two kind of put it in balance, you know, because it only takes us deeper into... Traditional scripture just has a different interpretation. New Thought has a metaphysical interpretation, and it looks at things esoterically and so forth. In traditional interpretation, it does not—at least, not at the level of pew and pulpit. But I don't want to go there because then I got to put a lot of because right. and things. That so I think we won't go there,
3: and I will just say that it is my observation and belief. That all scripture is either historical, metaphorical, or metaphysical. And they're not labeled. So there are parts all over the new Testament where Jesus and his band of Mary followers walked from the sea to Jerusalem or wherever they were walking. And you can get out a map now and trace out where they were walking. And so those are probably historical. But there could be a metaphorical version of going from the sea to Jerusalem about stepping into your higher power or something. That would be a nuance explanation of that. And if you're looking just the historical context of it, you'd miss it. And then there could be something metaphysical about being transformed. And I'm not going to use a particular example because I don't know. There are definitely some things in the Bible that are metaphysical. And when we talk about those as though they're historical, then that's where the wackiness ensues, where we insist that everything that's in the book is the word of God, it's all true, and it's true in the way that I'm interpreting it. So predestination and free will to get back to that. To me, it comes down to that overarching desire in spiritual practices to be able to blame God when things don't go our way. If I think that I'm predestined to have this experience, then when it happens and I don't like it, then I can blame God. Whereas if I have free will and I can create my own experience, especially if it's an inside job and I don't necessarily know what I'm doing, then I can't blame God because I created it. I brought this upon myself. And that can be really uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, I'm listening to you and I can't separate what you just said from the way we talked about when we came back in the metaphysical, metaphorical, and historical perception or way to interpret scripture. There are those ways, but they are not interchangeable. It has not been my experience that they're interchangeable in any one space. So if you look at it, how you live out scripture depends on how you interpret it. And when you do it this way and this way, then that's where a conflict comes in. In the traditional side, it's, you know, I remember when I first bumped into the Bible, really bumped into it. And I'm young, like not just Sunday school, because you go to Sunday school and you listen because you're supposed to. But when I just, you know, really looked at it, and I remember talking to God, I want to understand this 100%. Like I go after Mm -hmm. everything, you know, I'm going to like dig it. And so I bought every Study Bible, there was in the Christian bookstores. And my parents were like, going, no, Why you got to have all this, right? And I went for Christmas, I wanted, <laughs> because they could be like 75, 85 bucks a pop. And so I would ask, whatever the occasion, the new. But here's the thing I'm getting Bibles all from the same place, you know, different people saying the exact same thing. And I'm thinking, I'm getting all this information and I'm getting all this knowledge, but it's really coming from one source, one place. When I say source, I'm not talking about God. Poor God is just sitting there getting interpreted. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Poor God.
2: <laughs> you know, so really, so that's the, you know, one day we'll talk about this, but yeah, getting talked about and, you know, whatever. And Jesus, the same way. This is what he said. This is what he meant. But that's only one. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's one pocket, right? So you come to new thought and then there's metaphysical and there's metaphorical. Although on the traditional side, there's like, okay, we do a little metaphorical stuff as long as it doesn't interfere with where we want to end up. (laughs) You know, like I will take a story and I'll tell everybody's perspective that's in the story. You know, it's like 10 characters Mm -hmm. in there. I'll tell a story from everybody's different point of view. They can't do it all at one time, but whatever. Somebody told me, no, no, that's not the main whatever. Now the main whatever is what you looking at, right? The main story is the one, is the character that takes center stage that Sunday that I put him up there. That's the main story. So (laughs) now I didn't get a whole lot of applause for that. (laughs) Let me make that clear. But I believe that. So I come over here to New Thought and metaphorical interpretation, metaphysical, that, oh, that's cool. And it's welcomed. It's welcomed. And I thought, okay. So when you say you take it all three of these different ways, I just want to make it clear that they are different ways and they mean different things in different places.
3: Absolutely. absolutely. If you have a roadmap, you can use it to navigate. It is a historical document and it's showing you what the roads are like at this particular time. And if you have a poem that describes how you get from one place to another, and you insist that that's also a roadmap, but you have to follow it in this particular way. Well, then you're getting a little bit away from the utility of a roadmap because maybe there's a metaphor for how we're going to move from one location to another. And maybe it's not about how I get from my house to your house. Maybe it's about how I make a movement in consciousness from the state of mind where I'm starting to the state of mind where you're starting so we can be on a deeper level of communication. And it doesn't matter. We are free to interpret all of that stuff in any way that we want that brings more uplift to us. And in fact, that's what's going to be the prayer. The prayer that we're going to do today is about the wisdom and the guidance and the clarity on that which is true for us and on what is our next perfect activity. Because, oh, by the way, if it's predestined, then the predestination is that we are free to do that (laughs) and move in the direction of our success and love and dreams and possibilities or sit where we've been blaming other people. So let's do that prayer. (sighs) As we get to turn away from the stuff that surrounds us, the ideas of having to figure it all out, The notion that there's some limitation out there, and in order to get free of it, we have to find the hidden key, the magic decoder ring, and escape from some sort of bondage. Instead, we can turn our attention to that divine power and presence, the infinite creative essence that has created everything. We call it God. We call it spirit. We call it nature. We call it source. We call it the Big Bang. And we can even call it the big happy coincidence. There is some way that we all got to be where we are now. And it, that's a gift. That is a gift. So we understand that there is one big happy coincidence. And it continues to unfold and reveal and express itself in all sorts of different ways. Including me. And including expressing itself as Carol. And as everyone who is listening to this prayer. Each one of us. A divine perfect expression of that one shining that bright light of divine love in our own unique and specific and particular way that good is at hand right here and right now and everything that we are is some aspect of that divine essence everything we are is a particularization of god's divine good that makes it specifically and uniquely us we are that gift we are that light we are that possibility The mind with which we think is an aspect of the one mind. So everything that's known anywhere can be known everywhere and can be known to us. So that infinite intelligence that knows everything is even now guiding each of us to a greater, fuller, richer, more deep and detailed understanding of that which is ours, that which is next, and that which is ours to do or to engage in those next perfect steps are revealed with exquisite perfection, crystal clarity. And each one listening is, to the greatest degree possible, letting go of any preconceived notions, any thoughts of limitation, any, yeah, but that's the way it's always been, and opening to that new possibility, and allowing that divine guidance to happen, to allow that wisdom to flow. We don't need to understand how. We simply need to say, yes and allow that good to be revealed. And then we get to take the steps, each in our own way, different steps for all of us, but all marching joyously in the direction of our dreams and goals. And that's how love unfolds. And that's how good unfolds more thoroughly and richly in the world, for each of us as an individual, for all of us together. Love is unfolding, the light is shining, the good is at hand, and I'm grateful for it. And so with gratitude for this good, I speak this word, I release it into that creative law that has created everything, and I now invite it to create this. I let it be. And so it is.